Hi guys, welcome back or if it's your first time here then thank you for joining us. This is the doula's guide to preparing for your birth with me Meg, also known as the Dungaree Doula. It's a podcast where we talk about all things pregnancy, birth and parenting. My aim is to share unbiased information alongside a bit of friendly chit chat to ensure that you head into parenthood feeling confident and excited for what's to come. If you're new to the podcast and would like to know more about me, then go and check out the very first episode for a little introduction and a big chat on hypnobirthing and the following episodes for some great birth and parenting preparation. If you love the podcast, you can now leave me a little tip to say thank you via buy me a coffee. The link is in the show notes. A huge thank you in advance if you choose to do that. Before we begin, I also want to remind you that I have two pre-recorded online courses. The first is a full antenatal education and hypnobirthing course. You can sign up to it and start working through it right away and in your own time. There are over 30 modules to work through, each made up of video content, and then there's PDF downloads, hypnobirthing MP3 tracks, relaxation tracks, journaling prompts, birth plan templates, birth partner checklists, and so much more. It's only £37, which is an absolute steal, but to celebrate the launch of season two, you can use the code podcast for 20% off. Just click the link in the show notes or head to my website, which is thedungaredoula.co.uk and head to the online course page. And whilst you're over there, you will see the even newer Hypnobirthing Essentials online course, which as it sounds is a condensed version. It's still pre-recorded, but for those of you who are maybe at the end of your pregnancies, so you don't have as much time to work through a full course, those of you who have already done antenatal education but want Hypnobirthing on top, maybe those of you who are pregnant for a second, third, fourth time, or people who want a cheaper option. If any of those sound like you, then head to the same place, link in the show notes, and click on Hypnobirthing Essentials. It's just £20, so again, really great value, and it also comes with the Hypnobirthing MP3s, the video content, PDF downloads, and lots of lovely little extras too. I hope you love it. Go and treat yourself if you're expecting a baby in 2024. So exciting. So happy new year or New Year's Eve if you're super punctual and listening to this on the day that it comes out. But for most of you, I assume happy new year. I hope you have all had a wonderful year and are really looking forward to what you've got to come. If you've had your baby in 2023 and are listening to this in the throes of postpartum, I hope you had the most amazing Christmas with your new addition to the family. And if you're listening to this eagerly awaiting your baby joining you side in the new year, then I'm so very excited for you too. Before we get into the chatty bits of this podcast, I wanted to take a minute to thank every single one of you who have supported the podcast this year. It's been a whirlwind of a year (laughs) Um, and I've received so many lovely messages about how much you found it helpful and it really does it means it means the world to me it really does mean the world to me so Spotify um you know they release Spotify wrapped for everybody they also release Spotify wrapped for podcasters and it showed me that this podcast the doula's guide to preparing for your birth is the number one podcast for 66 people so 66 people listen to my podcast more than any other podcast all year. Um, it showed me that it's in the top five for 358 people. Um, and it's in the top 10 for 578 people, which is just insane. It's so cool. 
Um, it was also listened to in 54 different countries and downloaded more than 15,000 times. And this is just on Spotify. So it's also on all the other streaming platforms too. I know it gets quite a lot of listens on Apple, but they don't do the same sort of yearly roundup. Um, so yeah, it blew my mind a little bit. And I just wanted to say a really big thank you because I really, really appreciate it. Um, also really big thank you to anyone who has listened and then left a tip. As I mentioned, you can um, leave a tip. I mentioned it in the intro. I research, write, record, edit and publish the podcast completely by myself. I run my entire business completely by myself with no help um, alongside home educating my two children. So I'm really, really proud of it and what it's turned into. But the podcast is an unpaid factor of that. And I do have to pay hosting fees to keep it up. So those tips that come in really help contribute towards those fees and towards paying myself like a tiny part of a wage for the hours that go into making the podcast. So if you've left a tip because you appreciate the podcast and you've learned a lot from it and because you're in a position to do so, then sending you a huge, huge load of gratitude. I know not everyone can afford to leave tips and I don't expect them. Um, they're just a lovely bonus if you can. If you're not in a position to tip, the best way to support the podcast, if you want to, if you really appreciate it, is leaving a review on the podcast platform that you listen on. Um, that's really helpful. Uh, sharing the episode that you're listening to on social media and then tagging me in it. So maybe on your stories, for example, or on your page, that's really helpful. Or just sharing it with a friend. You can share a podcast, you can send them via WhatsApp and social media and things like that. Um, sharing it with a friend who you think might enjoy it. Because all of those things just really help me to beat the podcast algorithm, <laughs> which gets me in front of more people. So super appreciate it. If you have the sort of time or the money or the mental capacity to do any of those things, because yeah, it really helps me as a small business, a solo business owner. I don't know what the word is for that. I think it's a solo business owner. <laughs> I just, I just a mum trying to get by and trying to do something helpful, basically. Um, so yeah, that's my preamble to the episode. I'm recording this feeling incredibly lucky and grateful that this is my job. Uh, 2023 has easily been the best year in my work so far I'm, I, in all fairness probably the best year of my life as well like everything has worked out really nicely this year like my work's been amazing um, my children are at really amazing ages they're five and almost three um, so it's just yeah it's been a great year um, and I feel like I've up leveled this year so it's been like a huge huge pleasure working with so many amazing families and their babies. I've loved supporting all of the births that I've been a part of, both in person and virtually. I've loved teaching hypnobirthing to so many people and seeing all the light bulb moments as people sort of realise all of the options that they have and like how birth works and how amazing it is. So that's been incredible. Um, I created my online course, which I'm so bloody proud of and again thank you to all of the podcast listeners who've made your way over there to my online course when you sign up I can see if you use the podcast discount code so I know you've come by at this route and that makes me very happy too um I've taught a lot of power hour clients and just yeah anyone I've worked with in any way all my clients this year have been like top tier peak dungaree doula clients <laughs> so I'm going to move on to the Q&A section of the episode now but after that, I will talk a bit about the different ways that you can work with me in 2024. So please do stick around and listen to that bit because it may surprise you to learn about everything that I do. You might be thinking, well, I don't want to do that. 
So I'm just going to turn it off after the Q&A. But actually, I offer lots of different options to suit all different needs and wants and budgets and also have some free stuff coming up too. Um, so yeah, give that a listen at the end too. Please do stick around. So Q&A time. So I asked on the podcast and on my Insta and via a, um, a like anonymous link where you could leave an anonymous question if you had any questions or messages for the podcast. I didn't get loads through this year, but I got a few. I'm going to work my way through them. Um, I did get a few messages from people just saying how much they love the podcast and talking about how it has helped them. So originally I was going to read them out, but I realised it just sounded really self-indulgent. Um, so I will just say thank you so, so much if you left a really lovely message if you emailed me or if you left an anonymous message um, saying how helpful the podcast had been. There was a few people who spoke about how it had helped in their specific circumstances. And yeah, absolutely loved, loved, loved reading those. And I've saved them all. I've like screenshotted them all. I've got them all on my phone, but I'm not going to sit and read them all out because I realised that that would, yeah, it would be quite self-indulgent for me to just sit for, I don't know, five, ten minutes reading out nice things people have said to me so let's just do the questions um in no particular order just the way that they came in so the first question is i get yeah something i get asked all the time how did you become a doula is there specific training and how long does it take i've actually been thinking for a while i might do a podcast episode on this uh how not how i became a doula but just how you can and talk about the different training that i did um, talk about like if I would rate it, if I would recommend it, the different options you have, um, the different doula schools, all of the additional training that I've done. Um, if that is something you'd like to hear, then you know, let me know. Drop me a DM on Instagram or something. Um, because I do, yeah, I get asked all the time, constantly in my DMs on Instagram, people asking like, what training would you recommend? How would you become a doula? And stuff like that. But how I became a doula is um, I didn't know what it was when I had my first child so like six almost six years ago now didn't know what a doula was but I did hypnobirthing spoke about that a few times how it really changed my life I absolutely adored it and um, it really helped me with my first birth so after I had Izzy I was like I want to become a hypnobirthing teacher um and I was looking into training and I found out what a doula was at that time and I was like oh god if I'd have had a doula that would have been amazing. Um, and this will make more sense if you've listened to the podcast episode that's called something like How Hypnobirthing Helped When the System Meddled With My First Birth, something like that. Because I did have a physiological birth, but there was so much pushback um, within the maternity system trying to just, it's a long story, but <laughs> meddling basically. Um, and I felt like, well, if I'd have had a doula there, it would have been a lot easier to push that back because I had to do it all by myself. Um, so I was like, well, doula sound amazing. I also struggled in postpartum a little bit because I was on my own in Leeds with no family around. And I was like, ah, oh, doulas sound like magical creatures. And this sounds like exactly what I want to provide for other people. So I looked into training and the original training that I did, uh, so I found the birth uprising, hypnobirthing teacher training. Um, and instantly knew that I wanted to train with them to be a hypnobirthing teacher and through them found out about a um, doula training as well but that doula training no longer exists um, so I did that doula training and it was it was okay like it wasn't I wouldn't do it now basically if it was advertised now 
it wouldn't be my first choice. But I think because I just heard about it through people, not through the owners of the Birth Uprising, this is nothing against them, they're amazing. Like, I'm still so happy I did their hypnobirthing. Through somebody in their group, I found out about this doula training. And I was like, didn't fully look into other options, just dove headfirst into that one because I was like, well, if someone's doing the Birth Uprising, and they're also doing this doula training, it must be good because the Barefoot Rising hypnobirthing training is so good. And it is. I stand by that. If you want to become a hypnobirthing teacher trainer, not teacher trainer, if you want to become a hypnobirthing teacher, then the Barefoot Rising are amazing. Like I would go and do their course a million times over. But the doula training that I did, it just wasn't the best and it no longer even exists. So there's no point me talking about what that was. But I did that training and it was fine. It was okay. And it set me on the path and I started working as a doula and it took me... I want to say about six months. I think that's what it was. I think it was about six months to do all the coursework. Um, you get like, you do like a different module each month. And then at the end of it, you do in-person training for a weekend. And then after that, you're a doula. But it's funny because it's completely unregulated being a doula. So technically, you don't have to do any training. I'm not saying this is a good option. I think doing training is helpful, especially if you do a good one. I think it's good to be in community and to learn from people who have been doing it for a long time. Um, but technically, you can just call yourself a doula and start attending births. Like, we're completely unregulated, you know, for better or for worse. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Um, I love it, but I do see the problems in that, yeah, anyone can just say they're a doula. <laughs> so definitely, when you're looking for doulas, uh, check out their credentials. But I did that training. Started being a doula. Um, trained with the Bear Uprising as a hypnobirthing teacher as well. So did those things together. Um, and that training, yeah, like I said, was amazing. And then this year, actually, so in 2023, so fast forward a couple of years, I wanted to retrain with a different training school and I didn't need to. Um, and even when like I signed up to it, um, Sally was like, oh, I didn't, you know, didn't expect you to be doing it because you're already, you're already working as a doula. You're already like doing it quite successfully, like doing it well and stuff. And I was like, I know, but I feel like I want to belong to a doula training school that really aligns with my philosophy and my ethos around birth work and around supporting um, families. So I retrained with Red Tent, so the Red Tent um, do the training, and it was amazing, and I am so happy that I did it. So um, Red Tent doulas run training in a couple of different places, so I did mine in North Yorkshire, kind of up kind of near Shipley, a bit higher than Shipley, um, with Sally, who is Sally Golightly. I think Sally Golightly, the family doula. Um, and she is amazing, 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 amazing. And I did my training at her house and there was four of us. So there was three people who'd never been, who hadn't done any doula training before. And then there was me who had. But yeah, I just wanted to be, I wanted something different. The training was completely different to my original doula training. It was very much about community and about holding yourself and about how to hold clients in a very holistic way which is the way that I like to work um and I did learn stuff from it and just yeah being around those other women was incredible so that was the same you do your coursework you do your in-person training so that was three days Friday night all day Saturday all day Sunday we did so much stuff on that training weekend it was just amazing um we all had shared food we went for a walk in the woods I on the second day took my swimming costume and got in the river <laughs> just sat in the river for half an hour on our lunch break um it was very me so I'm um, yeah red tent doula training all the way 
Um, so yeah, after doing that, I feel like I, that was one of the things that up-leveled my 2023. Um, but yeah, there are loads of different routes and there are loads of other amazing doula schools as well. Um, Continuum Doulas was another one that I looked at, which I know 100% I would have loved. They do a week-long immersion where you go away for an entire week and you do so much training in that week and it looks incredible. Um, there is what's the, the original Birth Connection, um, the OCB Doulas, their training as well looks amazing. Um, and I know there's some that I'm forgetting but I can't mention them all. But yeah, if you're looking, I would recommend, you know, those three as my starting point. Look up those three doula um, schools and see which one really suits your needs. Um, and yeah, it's it's a long process. I do see people, you know, um, signing up to a doula school and immediately offering services. And that's fair enough. Like you can do whatever you want. But I do think it's good to really immerse yourself in birth work first and learn from others, connect with other doulas really do try and talk to other people. So yeah, sorry, that was really, really rambly. Um, I hope that answered the question. Um, the next question was, my first birth didn't go as planned and I'm scared about the same happening again. I felt I felt derailed and like I was being a nuisance for having a birth plan. What advice do you have for me? Because I feel like giving up and not even bothering with a plan now. Right. Oh, deep breath. I am really, really sorry to hear that your first experience didn't go as planned and it was because you felt like you was derailed that is just unacceptable on every single level that you felt like you were a nuisance for having a birth plan that you felt like your birth was derailed and now how that has carried on into I assume you're pregnant again because it says not yeah not even bothering with a plan now so I assume this is a subsequent pregnancy so I am yeah like I send out my love to you that you you felt like that you was yeah made to feel like a nuisance that you felt derailed and that yeah that has carried on through to your second pregnancy because that is not okay when we give birth how we feel is in my opinion the most important thing like you can have a birth that completely goes off plan because you know birth doesn't always go to plan like it would be really unfair of me to say do the birth preparation write a birth plan you'll get the birth for your dreams because that's not how it happens the preparation and the birth plan are there so that you feel really held and supported and in control at every step of the way. But if the people supporting you and not not looking after you and not caring for you and don't have your best interests at heart, then that's simply not going to happen, is it? And it's just, it, it's super, super important that the people supporting you during your birth make you feel like you are yeah amazing and you, that you are held and that whatever happens they are there and they are your safety net and I feel like that's the most important thing that can happen in your birth so no matter you know what what route it goes down if you feel if you feel looked after and cared for you will have a positive experience and I've seen that in real life I've seen people go from having home births to transferring to hospital and having emergency cesareans and still feeling like they had the most positive experience because they felt supported and in control every step of the way. And it's it's really, really unfortunate and it frustrates me so much that some people do not get that support and they do, yeah, they're made to feel like they're a nuisance. So I'm really, I'm so sorry that that was your experience. Um, my advice for you for your next time would to be to do a birth plan again, do a robust birth plan, do your dream birth, do your backup plan, do your induction plan, do your cesarean plan, so that again, you can feel in control, whatever happens. What I would say, and this is not 
I really hope this doesn't sound like this is something you should have done in your first birth because you shouldn't have had to do it. But what I would really say is I would be really, really clear setting boundaries on who is allowed to be in your space. And you don't have to do that. You need a birth partner to do that for you. So that could be a birth partner that is a romantic partner. It could be a friend. It could be your mum or it could be paid support like a doula. Have someone in your space who is there just for you and will stand up for you regardless. And if anyone comes into your space, so a midwife, a doctor, an obstetrician, anyone that is, you know, not on the same vibe as you, not on the same wavelength, makes you feel like a nuisance, makes you feel like you're being derailed, then that person you have in your corner gets them out. You have a legal right to choose who is in your birth space. So if you're at home, send them away say you want somebody else. If you're in the birth center, you're in the hospital, again, that person requests a different midwife. So many people don't realize that you can request a different midwife. If you're, if you're giving birth and your midwife is just not the one, you know, maybe they're just having a really bad day. They're really grumpy. They're bringing the mood down. They're trying to rush you along. They're yeah, making things feel like not the amazing experience that you wanted. You can request another midwife. Just send your birth partner, your doula, whoever it is, to the reception. Like I said, if you're in the hospital, to the reception and just say, we need another midwife. This is not this is not working out for me. I need another midwife. And if they start being like, mm, don't know, you say, well, then we're going home. We're leaving the hospital. And that, you know, they'll find you on at that point. <laughs> so, yeah, that that's what would be my biggest advice for you is to have somebody in your corner fully on board with your birth plan knows exactly what you want from start to finish from your birth and will stand up for you in any situation because oftentimes birth partners don't realize that that is a big part of their role is just protecting you and the way to protect you is to make sure that the only people in that room want what's in your best interest and they're there to just care for you so yeah I would that would be my biggest advice but please don't let it derail you and also if you feel like you've got any sort of trauma that you want to work through any birth trauma then maybe have a birth debrief um maybe talk to people who've had similar experiences maybe work through it with a doula or something like that um hospitals do offer birth reflection services but I've heard mixed reviews I've had I know some people who have used them and found them great I know other people who have used them who have found them not great at all um and have basically just found that they've been sort of gaslit into accepting responsibility for things that happen so for example you go and you say you know I'm suffering birth trauma from this why did this happen and the person giving the birth reflections just goes well it had to happen it saved your baby you should be grateful sort of thing so there are pros and cons but I would personally recommend getting an independent one um so look up if anyone in your area offers them you know um hypnotherapists often will offer them birth workers will often offer them but again look at the training because you want someone who is competent to offer a birth debrief um because obviously yeah it's a massive thing um and yeah you can get therapy for it and definitely try and work through that work through your fears around what you're worried about happening you could maybe do fear release exercises do journaling and things like that really try and work through it so that you can try and put that behind you and I'm not saying you need to just let it go and just be like yeah it was for the best that's not what I'm saying to do at all just work through it so that you can go into this birth with like a, a neutral headspace not bringing that along with you um because yeah you want to go into it and feel really supported this time and if you're angry about it that's fine too like 
I think that's so valid. I feel angry about my first birth. Like I said, I've got my podcast episode about it. And in the grand scheme of things, what happened is nothing compared to people who have horrendous birth trauma. But to me, because of the way I was treated, I still to this day feel angry about it. And I've worked through it. And I went and I had my second incredible home birth, which was just so healing and nourishing. But still, like, nearly six years on, it makes me feel angry. And I think that that's okay. I don't think we should be trying to completely neutralise every emotion. It's it's okay to feel bad about things that happened to us that we didn't deserve. So uh, I hope, again, rambly answer, I hope that was helpful. But, yeah, my biggest advice is someone in your corner that is not scared to speak up to get you what you deserve. And like I said, could be a birth partner, could be your mum, could be your friend, could be a doula. So next question. What do you think about the maternity statistics statistics for 2023? I saw your TikTok where people were... I saw your TikTok where people were... Uh, I think this is just a typo. I saw your TikTok where people were arguing in the comments and what your honest opinion is. So the maternity... So... <laughs> yeah, my TikTok video. Wow. Okay, that was quite crazy. Um, so the maternity statistics... Why can't I say statistics today? For 2023. Um, so basically they get if you don't know what they are, they get released every single year at the end of the year and they sum up um well what happened in maternity in that year. So they'll tell you how many babies, like how many people had vaginal deliveries, how many people went into spontaneous labour, how many people had cesareans, how many people had inductions, like what the average like size of a baby was, um, all sorts of stuff. Um and this year, yeah, they were quite damning. Um, they weren't great. Only 43% of people in 2023 went into spontaneous labour, which is less than half. And I just, I don't know, it makes me sad. My honest opinion is just to feel sad that we're at a point where less than 50% of people in this country are going into spontaneous labour. Um, yeah, that's... <laughs> I don't know what else to say because it does. It just it makes me feel sad. And that's not shaming anybody who has a cesarean or an induction. I don't know how many times I've said that on this podcast now. If an induction or a cesarean is the right option for you, I am really happy for you. Genuinely, 100% really happy for you if that is the right option for you. Whether it's medically necessary or whether you just want it. Like, that is valid too. If you just want an induction or want a cesarean, that is valid. I'm not sad about that. I'm sad about the fact that I know that so many of those inductions and cesareans were people being coerced into them because I see it day in, day out. I see it from the messages that I get from people saying I had an uh, um, unnecessary intervention and unnecessary induction with my first and now I'm terrified and now I've got birth trauma. And that's what makes me sad is that so many people are having unnecessary interventions pushed onto them, having birth outcomes that they really didn't want and suffering from birth trauma and it's got to the point where that's being pushed so much that now less than half of the people giving birth in our country are having a chance to go into spontaneous labour. I find it really harsh Um, I find it hard to deal with. It's a it's a, a weird time to be a birth worker because it feels like we've got a lot that we're pushing against. We're saying you know your body for most people, your body can do this. You can go into spontaneous labour and then the stats are saying we're only letting 43% of people go into spontaneous labour. So yeah, it's it's hard. And yeah, I posted these 
on TikTok, if you've seen it, that video went a bit insane. It's now got like over 200,000 views. There are thousands of comments on it and there are people arguing. But what the comments do show is the majority of people in there going, this makes sense because I was pushed into induction that I didn't need. And it's, yeah, it's it's validating that that is, it's not me making it up. Basically, that is the experience. But yeah, it's horrible for those people. And then there was lots of other people in the comments saying, oh, someone said, this is dangerous propaganda. And I was like, I've literally just told you the statistics that the NHS put out themselves. How <laughs> is it propaganda? <laughs> like it's it's from the NHS website. It's their statistics. There were other people saying, you know, this is so misleading. You can't just say that the stats are bad, which actually in the video didn't even say the stats are bad, but people going, you can't say the stats are bad. It's because everyone in our society is so unhealthy now. And that's why the spontaneous vaginal delivery is um, going down. And I, you know, that's not true. It's partially true in that more people are classes having high risk pregnancies nowadays. Um, but a lot of those high risk pregnancies should still be left to go into spontaneous labour if you know if given all the facts if not pushed into intervention and things like that but it's a really nuanced topic and actually next week's podcast is all about this like I've written and recorded it already um a whole podcast dissecting these statistics so if you do want to know more about it um this will tie quite nicely into next week's it was meant to be last week's podcast um but for some reason something with the file went weird um, well it was actually <laughs> it was meant to be two weeks ago when the podcast with B about breastfeeding came out it was meant to come out then and it didn't. Um, and the B podcast published instead. And then it was meant to come out last week. And then I realised it's because something's wrong with the file. So I've re-uploaded it. Um, and next week's podcast will be talking about this. So if you are interested, um, yeah, listen to that. But it's just, it's hard. In my honest opinion on those stats, it's just, I just think it's quite sad. And I think it's hard that people are stepping into this system where, it, yeah, where it's just, it's not, it's not conducive to having a spontaneous vaginal delivery in a lot of areas. So yeah, that's, that's my honest opinion. That is my honest opinion. Um, one, two, three, four more questions. When do you think an induction is medically necessary? I really don't want one, but it feels like everyone has one nowadays. I don't want to be scared into it, but I also don't want to miss out on anything serious. Okay. Well, that ties in quite nicely to what we were just talking about. Um, in my opinion, I don't think there is any set point when an induction becomes medically necessary insofar as like we can categorise it. So I think it's going to depend on your personal situation. So for some people, I don't know, things like gestational diabetes, um, I don't think saying an induction for medical for gestational diabetes is medically necessary um, because it's not. But it depends on the way that your gestational diabetes is managed and it depends on the way that your body and your baby is dealing with that diagnosis. So I hope that makes sense. So, for example, I've had clients who had gestational diabetes this year. I've had quite a few, actually. Um, I think testing is really on the rise. So more people are getting diagnosed with it. And I've had clients who have um, diet control, gestational diabetes, still gone on to have home births. And I've also had clients who have been medicated to control their gestational diabetes, who have still gone on to have the most incredible home births. Oh, the births I've witnessed this year have been incredible. But in other cases, I understand that some people may have gestational diabetes and 
that may be posing a risk to them or their baby in that situation. And so then it would be medically necessary to induce or to have a cesarean. So I don't think that induction is medically necessary because of a label. I think it's medically necessary because of your personal circumstances. I really hope that makes sense. And if you want more information on, you know, how to make those decisions around whether it is medically necessary or not, then I would really recommend listening to, I don't know what episode it is of the podcast, (laughs) an episode of this podcast, which is called About Birthrights. And it's called something like Birthrights, Decision Making and Where to Find Up-to-Date Reputable Research or something like that. Basically, in that, I talk about the brain tool, which is a really great decision-making tool that you can use when you're making any decision during pregnancy, during birth. And that tool will really help you to find out whether it's medically necessary or not. Um, You might not even ever get offered an induction, but it's likely that you will. I mean, as we've just spoke about with the maternity statistics, we have a really high rate of inductions in this country. Um, Some trusts are around 50% induction rate at the minute, which is really, really high. So it is likely a lot of people do get offered them, like you say. um, What did you say? I really don't want one, but it feels like everyone has one nowadays. It it does feel that way. Um, And yet, it's about whether it's medically necessary for you. So if someone says to you, you need to have an induction um, because it's unsafe. You need to you know, ask, well, is it unsafe for me? What are the actual statistics? You can say to me, the risk of X, Y, or Z doubles. What does it double from and to? Does it double to still being under 1%? Or does it double to being, you know, an 80% risk of X, Y, or Z happening? So lots of things to think about. And always it's about whether it's medically necessary for you, not whether it would be medically necessary for the average person in the general population, because you are not just an average person in the general population. You are you. You have your specific characteristics, your specific circumstances. So I think, yeah, listen to that episode of the podcast. And, you know, and for more of a more deeper information, you can book a power hour with me. You can take my online course. You can take a course with another local birth worker. You can get a doula, whatever you want. Um, but, yeah, I would really recommend thinking about it from your perspective and, yeah, using that brain tool. Uh, three more questions. What do you like to do in your in your time when you're not working or homeschooling? What? Sorry, I read that really weird. What do you like to do in your I like I mean spare time? What do you like to do in your time when you're not working or homeschooling? Um, so <laughs> really boring, really super boring. Um, before I had kids, and to be fair, even for the first couple of years of my kids' life, I love, love, loved going to gigs and festivals. And I do still love that, but not as much as I used to. I think it's because I used to love going to gigs and getting really drunk with my friends and then going back to someone's house, staying up all night and then just like laying, all of us laying on a big sofa together the next day or in the big bed or something and watching, I don't know, a peep show or something, ordering loads of food, having no responsibilities. (laughs) Um, And... Now, it's just not feasible to do when you've got kids. And if you currently love doing that and you're thinking, oh my God, I'm having a kid soon. My life's going to be not fun anymore. You just find different things to have fun. <laughs> Other, I mean, some mums still do do that. And honestly, absolutely no judgment to people who still go out and get absolutely hammered with kids. The only reason I do is because I am a fanny with hangovers. I've been a hangover around my children. Can't deal with it. Can't deal with hangovers. I'm really getting them really bad. I don't want that. And I also don't 
uh, like as I've gone on of my journey on like natural health, all the toxins and alcohol and stuff like that, I don't like drinking as much as I used to. Like, again, absolutely no judgment to people who do. Like, I still do love going to the pub and having a pint like every now and again. I just don't drink to excess anymore. Um, But that's just completely personal. So <laughs> my fun used to literally just be going to gigs. I used to run gigs up until um, this year. I ran a festival every single year, but I stopped doing that this year as well because it was just too much work on top of my doula work and home educating. Um, so I don't do that as much, but I do still love going to gigs. Um, I just go to like small, weird gigs. Um, I like really weird music. <laughs> um, my partner is in a band so I like going to watch his band and all our friends bands and stuff like that um so I'm very much still in the scene but just not as much as I was before I had kids um that doesn't answer your question I don't even know why I brought that up but I just yeah I just thought just to mention that now it probably sounds like really boring but I actually like it um because I do home educate and I do work a lot my free time is mostly a little bit in the evenings um, but I do try and weave things that we like doing together um, in my spare time. Um, the main things I like doing, I like doing um, embroidery, cross-stitching, fibre art, I like crafty projects, really like doing crafting, um, always have done. I really like reading, I love reading, massive bookworm. I wanted to read 30 books this year and I think I've ended up reading like 34 books this year and also listening to a few audiobooks and, this, and reading a few um, manga books as well so massive bookworm um, I like gardening and being in nature as well um, and just like yeah creating herbal remedies creating herbal teas and um, herbal blends um, experimenting with all that sort of stuff so that's the main things that I do in my spare time I don't have a lot of spare time but I do find like pockets of the day to just sit and read while you know the kids are independently playing or to do a bit of cross stitching if the kids are independently playing um and yeah it sounds really boring but that's what I like to do I like doing yoga and swimming as well really love I do yoga most days and swimming I do when I can I try and do swimming weekly and um, I like wild swimming as well I love going camping. I just like being outside. I just like being outside. No matter the weather, no matter the time of day, put me around some plants, give me a book, some herbal tea. Basically a 90-year-old woman, which is, yeah, pre-kids. Pre-kids, I did love this stuff. I've always loved crafting, cross-stitching, embroidery. We've been doing that literally my entire life. I learned how to do that when I was a kid um, and reading exactly the same. And then my interest in herbs and plants, probably, yeah, more so in the past few years I've always loved being outdoors always loved camping camping is my favorite thing in the world I would rather go on a camping holiday than go on like a five-star beach holiday which again I know is really weird and boring <laughs> but that's it um this year coming up I'm going to try and do a no buy year um because I'm quite bad with money and I want to just get back to yeah just living like really simply really sustainably and saving up to have a camper van so we can go or just escape all the time. I just want to be, I'll be a doula on the road. So if you're wanting me as a doula in the ne in a couple of years, then, you know, I can come, come to you in my camper van as well, which I think would be quite cool. Be like a doula on the road in the future. But yeah, um, that that's what I do. And, and this again is going to sound like really boring and really nerdy. I love home educating. Like I love home educating my kids. Um, I love learning. I'm constantly learning. Um, and I feel like I do that alongside my children by home educating. So I love all of the fun stuff we do together. Like we go to so many museums, we go to so many like 
old halls and we're always in the woods and we're always exploring and yeah I love that too so that's my spare time and apologies if I've just put the fear into anybody who currently lives a really cool life and he's pregnant and he's thinking I'm going to turn into a 90 year old woman when I have kids <laughs> because it's not true so many people have kids and carry on being cool I just yeah not for me not a cool person <laughs> um so yeah that's my <laughs> so boring I'm sorry um next question how to become a successful birth worker I feel like I'm not getting anywhere with it and need to know need to know your secrets um right okay hard truth it's really hard to become a successful birth worker and I still don't know if I would class myself well no do you know what I'm gonna like play my own trumpet or whatever that say it is what is it play your own trumpet I don't know I'm gonna toot my own horn for a little minute I do think I am a a pretty successful birth worker like it's ebbs and flows I will literally have like months which are so quiet and I have hardly any new bookings I'm constantly working because I have my bookings in advance but sometimes I'll go weeks without getting an inquiry um for any of my services like that's just the hard truth and um, it's really hard to become a successful birth worker overnight it takes work and I did not become a successful birth worker overnight it took me ages to build up my business and I think people go into it and they think oh you know within a couple of months I'll be selling out hitting birthing courses and I'll have a full stream of dealer clients and I'll have an online course and a podcast and all this stuff and that's just it's simply not how it happens um you've got to put in the work and you've got to stick at it even when you have those weeks or those months when no bookings come in you've got to just keep grafting and it's it's really hard and especially like um I don't know if you've got no other source of income or you really want to make it work or you don't want to go back to work after maternity leave so you're trying to build it up and you can end up getting yourself quite burnt out and it is really hard but just stick at it um, I think the best things you can do is be consistent on social media, get some good branding, get some good posts that get people talking um, and build up a network, a community. So interact with other local birth workers, like meet people for coffee and um, become someone's backup doula. See if you can go and observe someone teaching a hypnobirthing class, attend other hypnobirthing teachers, taste sessions, like ask them, obviously, but see what other people that you admire are doing um and yeah just just try and network and get yourself out there like make flyers I know people are like oh flyers are dead like but if I see a cool looking flyer I'm gonna go pick it up and look at what it is so get flyers out there um if you know how to like get a podcast or anything like that um I do offer power hours for birth workers as well as pregnant people so you can always come to me you know and we can do an hour session where we talk about how to set up a podcast how to set up branding um how to network yourself, how to market yourself, um, and all stuff like that. So if that's something you're interested in, then you know, just um drop me a message about that and we can do a power hour for birth workers as well. But I think it's a slog. It is a slog. And I think people who tell you that it's gonna be an overnight success are liars. Like you're building up a business, it's gonna take, I would say, minimum a year to get consistent clients. But like I say, I'm into my third year now and I still can go periods where I don't have a single doula inquiry for you know a few weeks at a time and it can get scary because I'll be on a run of having loads at once and loads of people downloading my online course and all this stuff and then yeah then it just stops <laughs> and it slows down and you're like uh just remind yourself it's not you we're in a cost of living crisis 
people don't think that they need birth education because it's not something that's seen as the norm um, people don't know that you're out there. So many people still don't know what a doula is or whatever birth work you are. People don't know what doulas are. People don't know what hypnobirthing is. So it is tricky. Um, and I think, yeah, just stick at it. Network, get yourself out there. Um, and yeah, it, it, it'll happen at some point, but it, it takes a lot of work. <laughs> um, final question. Do you support free births? Um, feel like I'm not getting anywhere with it and need... Oh, no. Do you support free births? What is your advice for someone considering? Um, do you, what is your advice for someone? Do you mean someone considering supporting free births or someone considering a free birth? So yeah, I do support free birth. If you don't know what a free birth is, a free birth is someone giving birth without a midwife or a medical professional. So oftentimes that's just, you know, the person giving birth on their birth partner. And then sometimes it's with a doula as well. Obviously doulas are not medical professionals, so that's still a free birth. Um, well, as a doula, we're just there to support you, set the environment, whatever it is that you need. Um, what is your advice for someone considering? If it's my advice for someone considering supporting free birth, so if you're a doula and you're asking, if, you're, if you've asked this, my advice is that nothing changes when you support a free birth because we're not medical professionals. I've hired from doulas before who have been like, oh, I'm scared to support free births because what if like X, Y or Z happens and I'm not trained to deal with it? And that, yeah, exactly. You're not trained to deal with it. The person wants you there to support them they don't want you there to mitigate anything medical if they did they would have had a midwife there so if you're thinking about supporting it you've got to be confident in supporting it and you've got to be confident in the fact that you know if something happens you're not medically trained you wouldn't be able to deal with it and you know it's about having a frank discussion about that with the person and they, they will know. The person who's choosing to have a free birth has taken responsibility for that happening it is not your responsibility to mitigate anything medical that is not why they want you there and I do I think you do a disservice to the person choosing to free birth by worrying about that the person choosing to free birth has complete trust and has chosen to free birth and if you're then taking in that that worry or that fear then maybe you're not the best person to be a doula for a free birth and that is absolutely fine doulas do not have to cover every single birth some doulas will only do free births some will only do hospital births some will do a bit of everything so you've got to choose what feels right for you so I hope that makes sense um I just think yeah it's probably it's not for everybody and that's absolutely fine for me personally I love attending free births I'm more than happy to do it and yeah my advice is that my role doesn't change because I'm never there to replace a medical professional it's just not within my remit at all so however confident I am in my doula services with midwives there I'm just as confident in my doula services without medical professionals there as well so that's my advice if that's what you mean but if you mean what is your advice for someone considering having a free birth um I, I mean it's just it's a for a lot of people it's a deep knowing a lot of people who choose to free birth just know that it's the right path for them they just have that feeling so do you have that feeling inside and if you do tap into it and explore it and explore what comes up when you think about free birth how does it feel how do you view your birth going um what do you think are things how would you deal with anything that might crop up um who would you want to be in your space all of that sort of thing um I would really do the deep inner work to feel like if it's right for you because it is a big decision and you are taking responsibility for your birth and for your baby um, I think that it's a completely valid option. It's something that, you know, people have been doing for a very, very long time. Free birthing is not a new thing. Giving birth in the medical industrial complex is 
a new thing in the grand scheme of things. Free birthing is just all we used to know. Um, but obviously I'm not saying that that makes it 100% safe or 100% right because it doesn't at all. It's a very, very nuanced discussion. But if it's something that you're considering, then I think, yeah, you've got to be prepared to fully take responsibility for it. And yeah, do do some of that, that deep inner work and tap into the, what do we do in this situation? When would free birthing feel right? When would it feel wrong? And yeah, it's it's too much for a, a little question for me to talk about really um again it's something that you know you might want to talk about with me on a power hour or you might want to talk to people who specifically um only support free births and yeah it would be yeah but if you've got that call in explore it I would say that to anybody if you have a call in about anything in your birth whether that is you've got a deep call in to have a free birth or you've got a deep call in to have a plan cesarean whatever it is it's worth exploring because there's a reason that it's calling out to you. It might not mean that it's a decision that you end up going with, but it's something worth exploring. So that was all the questions. Um, I realised I've been talking for so long. I hope that that was interesting, not too boring. And like I said, I just want to quickly talk about my work. Please don't tune out. Please do hear me out. I'm not going to ramble again, I promise. Um, I'm just going to quickly tell you about the different ways we could work together in 2024 if you are expecting your baby. Um, so the easiest way to work with me and the quickest is to sign up for my online course. Spoke about it a few times already. Go and sign up for my online course, jungaridoula.co.uk forward slash online course. Doula's Guide to Preparing for Your Birth and Hypnobirth in Essentials. Use the code podcast for 20% off and get yourself prepared for birth. You can also work with me as your actual doula. So if you want me to be your doula, I work with people. We have three three hour sessions antenatally and you have get um, ongoing support via WhatsApp in between that and you also get access to my online course and then I am present at your birth um, for as long as that takes sometimes it takes three hours sometimes it takes three days <laughs> I will be there for you as much as you need me and then three three hour personal sessions as well in person mainly anywhere around Yorkshire um, we're just moving to Hesel on the outside of Hull which is so exciting moving back to my family um, but I do cover Leeds, Sheffield, Huddersfield, most places in Yorkshire in person um, but also virtually as well so I can work with you wherever you are in the world and that package is a little bit different um, but yeah it includes antenatal sessions, it includes the online calls, it includes birth attendance but via the phone so that can be via video calls or just via WhatsApp or whatever way you need me at your birth and then again postnatal support as well and that's anywhere in the world um, and that support is anytime as well so you know if you're going to birth, if you're going, yeah if you go to give birth in the middle of the night I'm on the end of the phone. I'm there. Um, also, personal doula work as well, again, around Yorkshire. So that is just for afterwards. If you need someone to come and nourish you, bring you nourishing food, help you with breastfeeding, baby wearing, looking after your baby, anything like that, then, yeah, hit me up. Hypnobirthing. If you, you know, you want actual one-to-one -one support, you can take the full course, which takes about eight hours, or you can take the essential course, which takes about three hours. Um, and again, in person or virtual 
We can do power hours together. So this is one hour. This is always virtual. One hour via Zoom. Um, just to get clarity on anything in your situation. This can be antenatal. This can be birth. This can be postnatal. So it might be, you know, just about baby wearing. It might be about breastfeeding. But it might be about home birth. It might be about gestational diabetes, a specific topic. It might be about hypnobirthing in general, just recapping the tools. It can be anything you want. Power. I've done so many power hours this year and it's been amazing I've loved it it's really taken off as a service so I'd recommend checking that out um if you are in Yorkshire I run birth blessings the birth blessings are like an alternative to a baby shower where it's all about you know the mom the person giving birth we really come and nourish you we sit in circle with your loved ones everyone brings some food to share we do little crafty activities um we all do like a reading they're absolutely gorgeous there's an altar in the middle and again I can run those all around Yorkshire if that sounds like something you would like let me know um and then free stuff I run free taster sessions every month sometimes they're just a hypnobirthing taster session sometimes they're themed so my one in January is about home birth so it's just a free one hour session just to chat through the logistics of home birth basically and if it's something you're interested in sign up for that and new 40,024, I'm running the Dungaree Doulas Book Club, which is going to be really, um, yeah, I'm just really excited about it, really cool. It's going to be on Zoom. It's for pregnant people and birth workers. Um, so basically every month we're going to read a different book and at the end of the month we're going to meet up on Zoom and chat about it. It's going to be topics and we're just going to get different people's perspectives on it. And it's like a little initiative to get people really invested in actually getting through those birth books that they've got sitting around so the links for all of those things will be in the show notes down below so go and check them out and then I also have my online shop where I sell little cute things that can help you with your birth so I sell little combs that you can use for acupressure during your birth I sell positive affirmation cards I send sell little home birth vests I sell thank you for breastfeeding cards Lots of lovely little things. There's lots of things for birth workers on there too. Lots of like templates and stuff to get you set up with your business. So go and check that out. I'll put all the links for all of those things in the show notes. I really want to work a lot more virtually this year um, because like I do home educate my children and I'm out all of the time. So I'd really like to push up the virtual stuff so that can be, you know, in line with how much in-person work I do as well. That would be super helpful that's one of my goals one of the things on my vision board for 2024 so yeah huge thank you if you check out any of those things and I'm looking forward to working with some of you in the new year so let's round out the episode there and once again happy new year um I'm so excited for all of you who are preparing to have your babies in 2024 um, if you want any extra support on this journey, please, please, please do reach out to me. And if you have any more questions, come hang out on Instagram where I'm at the Dungaree Doula or drop me an email to the Doula at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do stick around, like, follow and subscribe or leave a little review if you don't mind. As I mentioned earlier, it's so very helpful. Speak soon. See you next week. Bye.